listening to the podcast of minister, author, blogger, Marilyn Darty. Prepare yourself to fly above what you thought you knew and see things from a different angle. Be blessed by today's message. Have you ever wondered why we don't see the supernatural in ways that the Bible described that it should be? We are so excited to announce that Marilyn will be teaching a series titled, The Gifts of the Spirit. In this series, Marilyn will release a revelation from the Word of God that the Lord has given to her concerning the operation of the Holy Spirit in the church today. Marilyn feels the Lord has instructed her to release this message for this hour. I would like to encourage you to share this podcast to as many believers as possible. Be blessed by today's message. We're going to take our scripture tonight from that familiar scripture that we've been studying from over the last two weeks, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. Uh, And it says there are different kinds of gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and 4. And whether that service is inside the church or outside in the community, God's gifts enable us to fulfill a call to the service, to the service of the ministry. Whether we, and you do know that service of ministry goes on beyond the four walls of this church. In fact, more ministry should be taking place out there than is going on in here. And so I'm going to read there in 1 Corinthians 12 and 4. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. God the Father likened the church to a house. The Holy Spirit likened the church to his body. Watchman Nee said. So what's the difference between a house and a body? Why did God say a house and then the Lord would say a body? Well, they're both vessels. When I got to thinking about that, I thought they're both vessels to hold something or to house something, to be used to place his spirit inside. So The difference between a house and the body is that the house is a stationary thing. It doesn't have legs to get up and move. So the house is stationary, but the body moves. It's got two legs to move around. And in other words, when the Lord said to build him a house to dwell in, he's looking for a house for what? Dwell means to live in. To live in. To, in fact, when, what, what do you do when you get home? First thing I do is pull my shoes off, <laughs> sit in my recliner, lay back, relax, put your feet up, get a drink. That's what you do when you get home. The Lord is the same way. In other words, he is saying, give me a house that I can rest in. My glory will settle in that place and reside there. I will feel at home in that place. I'm going to make myself at home in the body of Christ or in his church. 
So when Jesus said in John 16 and 7, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. I go away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He knew what he was sending. He was sending a spirit that would empower his body not to just settle down over us. No, he said in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you or harm you. So in the New Testament, the Greek word translated power is dunamis, the source of the English word dynamite or dynamo, both associated with power. So in addition, dunamis dunamis can also be translated mighty work or wonderful work. So what Jesus was saying is that I'm going away, but when I go, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and be in you so that he can perform mighty works. Dunamis, power shall be in you to tread upon scorpions, to tread upon demons and scorpions and drink deadly Poison. I'm not talking about snake handling or drinking poison in here just to show that we've got faith. I'm talking about real life enemies that the church can go outside these walls and we can declare authority over the enemy of the world. Amen? And nothing shall by any means harm us because we have power. And that's what Jesus wants. Not necessarily a stationary building to live in but he is saying my body is going to be able to move movers and shakers movers that will shake the world in fact the bible says that the early church the 20th the early church the first church that was here the, on the day of pentecost shook the world it said that they turned the world upside down and if we're the last day church We should not be doing anything less. Amen? And so this word dynamite, dunamis, both associated with power. In addition, dunamis can also be translated mighty works. The implication is just not activity here or accomplishment, but action and achievement. Now, you can work all day and never achieve anything. You can beat a a, a brick wall and never bring it down. But the Lord is saying, I want to give you power to make a change. Anybody want to make a change in the world? Don't you think it's about time that we made a change? I'm telling you, the devil's making a change. How come we're not making a change? It's about time that the church made a change. An achievement of this kind of magnitude that I'm talking about would inspire a sense of wonder if we had that kind of power in others. They would say, my goodness, look what kind of power that church has. And dunamis is also translated miracles in a few uh, portions of Scripture. So these powerful accomplishments were beyond normal human abilities, human capacities, um, 
human capabilities. They were things that Jesus Christ did in the book of Mark 5.30 and in the book of Acts, uh, the apostles did in, in chapter 10 and 38, as well as works performed by God through others, such as the apostles in Mark 9.39, all the way through the book of Acts. And in Acts 1 and 8, when just before Jesus ascends to heaven, he gave his disciples their final marching orders, and he said, but you shall receive power or dunamis when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus links the Holy Spirit with power, dunamis. And Paul tells Timothy that Christians have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power. So I want to ask you something. If we've not been given a spirit of fear, what is holding us back from obeying the call of the Lord? What holds us back from seeking after the power of God? What holds us back from praying for more power? When you put these two verses together, these verses that show that the Holy Spirit gives a person the effectiveness for God's will and God's work to be done through him. In other words, the example of the body was given because of the fact that it moves, it walks, it runs, it talks, it's fully animated, and when filled with God's power is able to do the miraculous, when you consider a house that is stationary and you consider a body that is able to get up and do what the Holy Spirit wants it to do, there's only one problem here. Can anyone take a guess what that is? One problem. We have a mind and a will of our own. And many times our bodies are plagued with disease. First Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. And I'm going to skip down to verse 14. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. 
But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. The King James Version says it like this, diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities. So this is what I'm talking about tonight, ministries and activities. And remember, we're not talking about activities just for activity's sake. We're talking about activities with dynamo, dunamis, power. Lord help the poor pastor at Corinth. He had a church full of trouble. He had people that were operating in the gifts and bragging that their gift was better than the other person's gift. And some of them were spreading rumors about the people in the congregation. And they were going house to house and telling each other about it because they didn't have Facebook or Twitter. The women were speaking up and asking all kinds of questions in the congregation because it was the first time that they were allowed in an open setting like that and they didn't know what was going on. So they would ask all kinds of questions out loud and interrupt the service. And everyone was speaking in tongues all at once and no one was interpreting anything and you couldn't understand a word that was going on. What a church! <laughs> it was a real mess. There was a disease in the body. I know there are some in here that have suffered from some sort of disease or malady. Uh, myself, I'm a 13-year cancer survivor. But believe me, it's always in the back of my mind that I check myself all the time to make sure cancer isn't back. What happens when there's disease in a body? Cancer is one of those things that's hard to understand because the body does what the body does. It reproduces cells. But in some cases, the body may produce a cell that isn't right. And as we all know, like produces like. So the unhealthy cell produces as well as an unhealthy cell. And before you know it, you have a tumor, and that tumor demands blood supply. And it begins to grow and grow and grow. And before you know it, that tumor has wrapped itself around a healthy organ, and now the body is in trouble, and it dies. Now I hear someone say, well, the body of the Lord is perfect. The body of the Lord does not have cancer or any disease. Well, I'm not here to argue theology about eternal salvation or once saved, always saved. But I will agree with you at, with one thing. 
that he does not have cancer in his body, that he is coming after a spotless church without spot or wrinkle. He will have a perfect bride when he does come. And if there is cancer, he will pluck it out of the body, just like I did 13 years ago. I had no trouble making that decision whatsoever. When they said cancer, I, and he said, you need to have surgery, I said, let's do it. For the betterment of the rest of my body, because I wanted to live. I knew it was crucial for my survival. And sometimes you have to say goodbye to the cancer that is affecting the body before it destroys the rest of the body. Now the word says he's coming after a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. By the time he gets here, she is going to be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Because the book of Revelation says in 19 and 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. What did it say? She has made herself ready. I, you know, the thing about a marriage, a wedding day, some of you guys will never understand, is that yes, the bride has many attendants, but trust me, she makes herself ready. She may have someone preparing her hair and doing her makeup and her nails and, and helping her with the dress. But trust me, everything is going to be the way she wants it to be. And she is in charge. She's making herself ready. We all have the tendency to believe that these gifts are ministry gifts and activities are not that spiritual that, that we're talking about here. Not talking about those nine gifts of the Spirit, but the activities that we're going to be talking about tonight. But is that true? Look what the Word of God says about it. The Spirit distributes them, and it's the same God at work in all of them. So what are these other gifts? Romans 12, 6 through 9, we're going to read what they are. And you know, I was telling Terry the other night, I might speak three hours because there are so many gifts listed in the Word of God that the church has. I'm impressed with what he left us with. But this scripture, Romans 12, 6 and 9, says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patience in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, and practice hospitality. So let's take each of these gifts found in Romans 12 and let's talk about them. I want you to notice again that these gifts are given to us according to grace. Once again, they're not earned. They are given to us. And I'm going to skip over the first two because we'll talk about those more extensively next week, prophecy and faith. So let's start with the others on this list, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy, hospitality. And as we look at this list, I want you to think about whether each of them would fall under the category of ministry or activities, and they may fall under both of them. 
1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. So here's two more gifts that we could add to those, that list. So let's talk about serving. In looking over this list, I think this is probably the low man on the totem pole. Servants, which should make all of us, our radar kick up when it's the low man on the totem pole. <laughs> Amen? If it's the low man on the totem pole, then what should that tell us? It's probably the highest honor. What did the Lord say that he came to do? Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 9, 35 said, Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Servants are special people in our church. These are the people who work behind the scenes that you don't pay much attention to. But they're always doing something. They are the Beverly Shearers that would buy hot dogs for kids on Wednesday nights. But Beverly was not the only servant in the house and is not the only servant in the house. Can I get an amen? There are... And I'm going to start naming people, and you're, going to, you're just going to hate me for this, but I'm going to anyway, and I'll probably miss half a dozen of you. Sue, Bill, Wendell, Tanya. These are people who serve on Wednesday night, serving our kids these hot dogs. Countless hours I've seen them pack in food and pack out food and help Holly do this, that, or the other. Cheyenne, Dustin, Matt, up here on this sound system up here, Kathy, Steve, Loretta, Megan, Tim, Isaac, Matt, Steve, Kathy, Holly, Josh, Renee, Carissa, Ramona, Isaac's son. I forgot his name. I'm sorry, sweetheart. Aaron, thank you. Up here on this music team. And I know I forgot somebody. Donnie sitting back there. Sweet Donnie, handyman. We just about killed him. He had a heart attack. <laughs> We're glad he's okay. <laughs> Robert gets out here in the heat, August heat, mowing the grass, yard work. Danny, Marilyn, Ballinger, Kathy, Clark. Kathy comes out here and stays all day on Sunday. Alvira Payne, Carol Hensley, loading food in and out of this ministry center the other day at this funeral. These women are young. <laughs> Come on now. That's a hard job. Benevolence team. Kim Isaacs coming out here and, and taking everybody's temperature. And I, there's several out here during, in the hallway. 
Those who drive the vans and open the church buildings up and turn on the heat and air, put up the decor in the hallways, keep the bulletin boards up, buy supplies, janitors, David and Charlotte over here. I, you know, it goes on and on and on. I, all these things, this church is blessed with servants. And we could not operate here if we did not have them. All this goes on behind the scenes, and we don't even pay attention to it. We somehow think that a little fairy comes in here at night and cleans these pews off after every service. But did you know these, these pews are sanitized after the services? I see Tanya and Holly and some of these teenagers and kids go in here and start spraying after we leave. Uh, yeah, we got some kind of disease, but <laughs> they go in here and they'll sanitize these pews so that you're not going to sit in a pew that might have COVID. These are the gifts of helps, and we could not live without them in this body. But let me say this. We have people gifted to put banquets together and to decorate and make everything look very nice, but that isn't my gifting. So if you want a beautiful event, make sure that you have Lisa or Loretta do it because you don't want me in charge of something like that. I, this is what I'm talking about. These are gifts. That would be like asking my feet to type this outline today. I have a set of hands that do that very well, but my feet would only make a mess of it. But my feet can walk me just fine out to my car, but don't ask my hands to do that. Amen? I'm making a point here. There are people in this church that have giftings and you need to know what your gift is and you need to stay within your gift. And I understand that some people get outside their giftings because there's no one that will take up that gift. But once, you know, the thing about that is that once somebody comes in that's really gifted with that, if they see somebody that's, that's got that taken care of, they'll back off. They'll say, well, they've already got somebody taking care of that. And so that's why it's important for us to make sure that when new people come in, we find out what their gifting is. We ought to have some sort of system going here. Laura back there, I don't know. I'm, I met Laura for the first time tonight. I need to find out about you, Laura. <laughs> we need to talk. And then I'm going to go and quit meddling. Our pastor's council operates with administration gifts. Our pastor has wonderful administrative gifts. He thought way back last year in October about paying off the ministry center. Well, if that were, if that were me, I would have thought, no way, impossible. People are sick and they're out of work. Their mind set isn't in paying off a building. They'll think that, I'm crazy for asking for that, but what does he do? He gets up and in the middle of a pandemic and he asks that we pay off a $160,000 debt. And in six months time, the note is down to $97,000. I would have said impossible, 
but not with God and not with someone who has an administrative gift. This note has to be renewed by or paid off by August the 10th, and he believes, and I believe, that we can do it. We're going to auction those hats off, or, or tonight we need to go out there. If you haven't put your name down, those things are going out of here Friday night. And so we're going to make a lot of money off those hats. This Sunday, this past Sunday, I sat there on that seat and thought to myself, well, my goodness, Pastor, he's going to, he's going to do this thing. We are actually going to pay that sinner off, and he's already booked the date when Tim Hill is going to be coming here to burn the note September the 12th. That's an administrative skill. But it's a good thing that you didn't hire me to do that. Don't ask me to be in charge of something like that because Pastor Bill will get it done. He's your man. Teaching. In my opinion, this is not necessarily the pastor-teacher ministry role that we spoke of last week in the fivefold ministry gifts. If you'll notice in Ephesians 4 and 11, those gifts were exclusively for leadership roles for the perfecting of the saints, the elders, like elders, bishops, deacon, overseers, and shepherds. This gift of teaching is important as well. Remember that the guts, these guts, shouldn't say because I'm ugly, I don't have any value. We couldn't live without our intestines. And we can't live without our teachers. We have to have our pastor teachers. The pastor is always teaching the word of God while he preaches the word. The pastor teacher is teaching the teachers. But there are some people with the gift to teach. And their role in the church is so important and yet so played down. It's almost like you'll just grab anybody off the street and say, will you teach our junior boys? We can't find anybody to teach, so we're going to just get anybody. Teachers are of the utmost importance. Every person that we have teaching our children should be brilliant. They should have a call and a gift for it. And if they go in a class and read a lesson for 15 minutes, and trust me, I've seen them do it, Read a lesson. Please don't ever put me in a classroom where the teacher reads the lesson. After they read the lesson, then they put the book down and start talking about the ball game. Shame on them and shame on us for tolerating it. Teachers should mesmerize you. Teachers should inspire you. Teachers should challenge you. And if they don't, then they're not doing their job. When you have a great teacher, you should make every effort in the world to get them the best equipment in the world. They should have the best classroom and the best helpers. If you want to see your church become a five-star church, get you a five-star teacher and put him or her up in front and watch your attendance soar. When I think of excellent teachers, I think of my niece, Jenny Little, who's in charge of children's church over there at Man of War. Jenny started in a small work in Florida with a pastor that started a work down there 
with her. The church began to grow by leaps and bounds, and pretty soon they outgrew the storefront where they were. And before you knew what was happening, the pastor thought he'd improve things. And so he decided that he'd hire a full-time children's pastor. And instead of hiring Jenny, he decided that he would hire a professional. Jenny was let go because she wasn't a professional. What he didn't know was that most of his growth was coming from the parents bringing their children because of the fantastic ministry that they had there at that church for kids. And in a year's time, the church was struggling to keep its doors open because Jenny was picked up by the Madisonville Church of God, where Michael Knight pastors. And now you know the rest of the story. Man of War picked her up. Jenny is known far and wide all over the church of God with her ministry skills with children, but she doesn't try to be a professional, although now she is very professional. She just loves kids. And more than that, she loves the Lord, and she does all things with a spirit of excellence. I got this quote by the Kendrick brothers who wrote Courageous in Facing the Giants, and they said this, a good teacher makes you want to learn. A good teacher makes you want to learn. And encouraging, encouragement, a gift of encouragement. Where does this fit into the church? You'll never see them. They don't have a trumpet that goes before them. But there is one and maybe more that, in fact, there's more than one and lots more in this church uh, that I'm sure that sends our pastor's wife a card. I know of one individual that sends her a card at least every week and lets her know that she's praying for and that Lisa is not forgotten. Every week, this lady sends her a card. You may not think that's important, but to Lisa, it is. When you're the one laying in bed and you can't be with the rest of your church, it's very important to get a note of encouragement from someone. We were in church just a few weeks ago and a brother came in that hadn't been here probably in a month. And he was a regular attender before then. And for some reason, I hadn't called him. I noticed that he was gone, but I did not call him. And one of the sisters shook his hand and told him that she sure had been missing him. And he said this, I'm glad somebody did. You may not think it's important that we call each other or encourage each other. And there are those among us that have been given that extra grace to reach out and do that. It's not me. I wish it were. As you heard me say, I didn't go over to the brother and say... I've been missing you. Pastor got up and quoted, or no, someone else quoted a scripture. That was Mitch, um, the pastor at Man of War here a while back. He quoted a scripture from Proverbs that talked about a friend uh, where the path had grown over. And I thought, that's me. <laughs> that's me. I wish it were not me. I'm the world's worst when it comes to being a good friend. I don't, I don't mean to be. I really do love people, but 
I get too busy with things. But there are other people who have a gift of encouragement. So you know that I'm not going to be there to do that. You need to say, Sister Marilyn sure is not a very good encourager. I need to step up and encourage somebody because that lady ain't going to do nothing. Amen? Is there anybody that's got a gift of encouragement in the house? Please raise your hand. We're in trouble. Yeah, okay, thank you. It says in Romans 12 and 8, but there are some among you that has a gift, and we, it says Romans 12 and 8, if it is encouraged, then give encouragement. Giving. You mean there's a gift of giving? Oh, yeah. There's some people with a gift of give. Others can't seem to let loose of their money. There are some people that can't seem to give it away fast enough. And it seems nothing to them. Things mean nothing to them. They don't hold on to things. They come and go. And others hold on to things as if it means the world to them. It might be full of rust. It might be dented and moth-eaten. But they wouldn't get rid of it for nothing just so you won't get it. There used to be a dear sister at Harmon's Lick that used to make quilts. And maybe Kathy can tell me who that was. I racked my brain, but she used to have quilts, and every year they would auction that off or raffle it off, and we would sell it and get money for missions. Someone might say, looking at face value, that that, lady, that little lady didn't have any gifts at all, but she was instrumental at raising the money to go toward missions. I dare say that some missionary on the lines would thank God that that sister was instrumental in raising missions from the Harmons Lake Church of God. And again, in Danville, there is a lady minister there, Judy Cottle, a great friend of mine, a woman minister, has a gift for home missions. She goes to the churches on the district and raises funds for the small churches that are on that district. Because there's a lot of churches that they, in fact, one church uh, had a leaky roof and they didn't have enough people in their congregation to... Uh, get the money together to repair the roof. So Judy went from church to church and would hold revivals and didn't take the money herself and kept the offerings and went and pleaded with the churches, some of the larger churches especially, to give. And we gave money to that church and roofed that church. Not only that, she put in a, a, a ramp, a handicap ramp at one of the other churches and replaced a floor at another church. Some people have a knack or a gift of giving. It's a gift, and if that be your gift, you ought to move in that. Mercy, giving, showing mercy, hospitality, all gifts for Benevolence Board. You wouldn't want someone to serve on your Benevolence Board with no compassion. A person with the gift of hospitality should be the one you place at the door and in the parking lot. They should serve on your ushers board and greeters. They should be your visitation team. They shouldn't be standing at the door chomping their gum, talking loud to somebody at the end of the hall, or a teenager with their phone. You want someone that is hospitable and will, and here's another one. Take hold of their hand and shake their hand and look them in the eye. 
You don't want the shyest person in the world at the door. You, don't, you certainly don't want Mr. Sourpuss out there in the parking lot directing traffic. Get on up there at that parking lot. I told you. Think service when people come in here. Hospitality. Think five-star church. Hospitality. How much time do I have? I've just got a few minutes, so I'm going to conclude. Another function of a healthy body is reproduction. There's something every healthy organism does. Every cell in our body reproduces. If it didn't, you'd soon wither away. We've got to reproduce ourselves. The problem is, is that too often we hold those coming after us to higher standards than we had when we came in. If they don't do things perfectly, then we don't allow them to do anything. If they don't, if they don't fail, can I tell you, they're never going to learn. I remember churches where we sat Junior on a guitar on the stage with the band and he could only chord C, G, and D, but he learned. The rest of the musicians just kind of outdrowned him. We didn't put him uh, on the amplifier. We just gave him a pick and said, go for it. And we all, the, not we, that's another thing. I'm not a musician. Don't put me up there. But they all outdrowned him. But pretty soon, Junior got pretty good. And the generations went on. If you do not reproduce yourself, guess what? You're hung. We have a next generation always. But if you keep going with the professional mentality, we'll continue to lose members and our next generation will leave us. They'll be playing for the devil on their stage. They'll be playing in somebody's garage, making a band somewhere. Or perhaps you may have come into the church under a very strict authoritarian leader with all sorts of regulations as to who is qualified to teach or work or labor in the church. Well, I have... Too many healthy, vibrant converts leave the church because no one took them under their wings and apprenticed them. This doesn't happen anywhere except the church. Corporations take in rookies. Military take in rookies. McDonald's takes rookies. Heck, even your daughter takes rookies. <laughs> Just look at him. <laughs> but somehow or another, that rookie turns into a vibrant, strong, virile young man. And they all, well, most of them, <laughs> turn into productive church members. But some of them, some reason we think people have to prove themselves before we allow them to work in the ministry. How long do people have to prove themselves before we allow them to work in the ministry? 
is there a time stipulation on this thing? I'm not advocating that you put rookies over a group of people, but surely you can allow a rookie to sit up on the stage on one of those boxes and beat a rhythm out, amen? Boop, 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 boop. That's not, I mean, he's not going to hurt anything to get up there and beat on a box, is he? I mean, it might sound bad for a little while, but we're teaching here. Don't we understand yet that every part of the body needs to feel as if they are important? We have an entire group of people who are not being used, and they have got to be put to work. We have no drama team here at this church. What an asset that would be to the ministry of this church. I know that there are parents or young adults in this church body who would work with young people in a drama team, and I'm not talking about Holly because she has too much already to do. Some of these kids can sing. We need a youth choir or a time where we can schedule them to sing specials. And again, I'm not talking about Loretta taking over a choir because she's got too much on her plate as well. But there are other people in the church that have abilities to teach young people to sing. Did you know that it is a proven fact that when kids reach high school age that they disappear from the church once they leave high school because there is nothing for them to do? We don't, we, we even quit having Sunday school class for them. We have youth ministry for them, and then all of a sudden they have to go to an adult class where people like me sit in the adult class. We, we very seldom have college career classes, but even if we do, we've got 40-year-olds in there in that class. Maybe not here. I don't know. I've not been over there to the, to the class. Right, you know, I'm not sure, but I do know how it goes in most churches. But if we already have them hooked into the body before college age, like uh, the likelihood of them leaving would be drastically reduced. Hooked into a ministry or an activity is what I'm talking about. Hooked into singing or a worship ministry, a class, a dance troupe, a video club, a public relations ministry, a teaching ministry. Do you know how old I was when I first started teaching? I was 12 years old. That's crazy, isn't it? But I taught VBS, Vacation Bible School, and I taught the four- and five-year-olds. Someone took a chance on me. The challenge is here. We've got to do something. How long, will it, how long are we going to sit by? And ignore the fact that we're losing the battle with our kids. How long are we going to ignore the fact that our kids are no different from the rest of the world? Sexually active. Some experimenting with homosexuality. Drugs. Drinking. And you're worried that they're not living holy enough to take a part in the service? They're not living holy. They're out there. But oh, if we had them in here, we need to plug them in to read a scripture, 
or play an instrument or sing a song or take up an offering. Do something in the church. Involve them in the church. Can I say that this is a work of the Holy Spirit, not yours? It's not a work of mine to make sure that they're holy enough. I would be embarrassed to tell you where I was when Jesus found me. Did you know that old song, he, he reached way down for me? He did. He reached way down for me, Roy. And I'm sure there were probably objections. But because at 12 years old, I was plugged into a church. You see, my little sister was never plugged into a church. And my sister, two years younger than me, was never plugged into a church. But a, a church bus came and got me like our church buses. And they plugged me into the assemblies of God. And they loved me. And they put their arms around me. And they used me at 12 years old. And they came to my house and met my parents. And they said, can we baptize your daughter? And my dad said, I don't even know if she knows what baptism is, what it means. And I said, yeah, I do. It means that I asked Jesus into my heart. And he said, well, you don't live like you've invited him into your heart. And I said, well, I pray every night. And I did. I prayed, Lord, forgive me of all my sins I've committed today. But to a child, that's all I knew. Guess what? He kept me all these years. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do this with our young people. Remember the five-fold ministry that's been placed in the church to protect the body by using the Word of God and teaching us and edifying us until we come into the maturity of the body of Christ. They build up the body. These kids are part of the body. They need to grow and learn, but they will grow in the faith. If they are not here, they won't grow. If we don't love them and bring them, and they won't come if... They don't hold a place here. And if they're not here, God knows what they're doing. If they're not here, you know what they're doing. And I know what they're doing. Do you love these kids? I know you do. You served them. You put your arms around them. You had mission services for them. You picked them up on the bus when they were four and five years old. You brought them to the house of God. Now they're teenagers and some of them are adults and they're in college. But we're losing them. Let's let the body function. Let's let the Holy Spirit do a work amongst us.
and let him convict them just the way that he convicts us. We don't have to be the worker. We don't have to be the Holy Spirit. Trust me, he can convict me a whole lot better than you can. Hello, this is Marilyn. I'd like to ask you to consider joining me in prayer for the ministry of this podcast. The world has become more and more digital as we move into the future, which gives all of us a unique challenge to reach people we would never be able to reach through podcasts, streaming services, and social media. This generation is curious about the supernatural. If we deny the supernatural power of God to this present generation, then we're missing a rare opportunity that we have been called to. That's why I call this podcast Biblical Teaching with a Bite, because so many of my lessons have a way of grabbing you with the truth. If you're on board with me, consider supporting this broadcast by contributing each month or whenever you can. You can support this ministry through Venmo by downloading the app and then give to Marilyn Darty at Marilyn-Darty-1. Or you can give to PayPal by downloading their app and then go to paypal.me forward slash Marilyn Darty. Don't forget, if you can't give anything, remember to pray that God would bless this ministry and send us a great harvest. Remember, God loves this great, big, beautiful world. Thank you for listening to Biblical Teaching with a Bite with Minister Marilyn Darty. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure you subscribe to this channel so you will receive updates when a new message is available. Until next time.